Hey everyone, this is your host, Megan Gilman, and before we start today's episode, I wanted to make a quick note. Our guest today is Sarah Doubledam. She's the founder and chief creative officer of Darling Society and Darling Magazine. I want to be really clear that I am currently an ambassador for Darling Society, but this is not a sponsored podcast and this is not an advertisement. This is just one of those cases where I happen to be an absolute screaming super fan of Sarah's work and of Darling the brand and was lucky enough to become involved in a more meaningful way. And I guess I use that to leverage Sarah into coming on my podcast. For your benefit, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I can't wait to share it with you. Hey there, and welcome to I Hope This Finds You, my love letter to all the women out there who, just like me, are longing for deeper, more authentic communications with the women who inspire them. Today, I'm talking with Sarah Doubledam about living in alignment with your own personal mission. Hi, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Sorry, I'm trying to turn up my volume. Are you recording this? You are, right? I am. I um, My process is sort of like record all of it and then like go back, listen and edit. Cool. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm going to be honest. I'm like a little really excited, nerve sighted. Um, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Don't be nervous. <laughs> no, I'm happy. Um, but also like I've had this like feeling for a podcast for a while. It was partially inspired by what I felt when I was reading Darling and at the Darling retreat. Oh, cool. And, um, so when I reached out to you, I was like, fingers crossed. Like, I don't think she's even going to like see this message. And um, I'm so excited to be able to awesome. have you on the podcast as one of my first guests. I'm really grateful that you said that you'd be a part of this. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're just grateful. You're one of our ambassadors and I follow you and you just post so much and it's so meaningful. So we're grateful for you just being on board. So happy to do it. Well, thank you, Sarah. I wanted to start off. um, I actually texted a few of the friends I made at the Darling Retreat and I was like, Sarah's going to be on my podcast today. I'm so excited. What are some of the things that you would want to ask her? Um, And one of the questions that I wasn't expecting was, what do you find really inspiring? What are your go-tos when you are maybe having a creative blog or you're not sure what to say or what to write? Because you are such a prolific writer. You write out emails for Darling and content for Darling every week when you don't feel like there's something naturally wanting to come up? What are the sources you turn to to inspire yourself? Oh, that's such a great question. For me, it's really about having enough like inner quiet and peace to be able to connect with my creativity. I've always just been a really creative person, like head in the clouds ever since I was a kid, like very imaginatory. Like I can just like going to different worlds in my head. And so for me, it's really going someplace where I can feel quiet and see beautiful things. So I love going to Huntington Gardens is one of my favorite places in Los Angeles. Um, Descanso Gardens, like being in 
specifically a garden. I don't know why, but just seeing like the creation and the like petals and the colors and the way that nature combines all the different tones, somehow that just really puts me at ease and gets me to connect with really like my inner self where I can be inspired again. And that's really like a starting point for me is just being able to be quiet and be in nature. So that's, that's pretty much where I always just go to if I'm feeling that feeling of like being overwhelmed or anxious or like, I just don't have anything in me. Sometimes I'll just stop and be like, you know what? I just need to like in the day early, I need to go somewhere where I can start to feel quiet again. And I think that's a problem with our modern world. There's just so much coming at you that you can't even think, you know? Um, So I would say that's one thing. And then where a lot of my topics come from is just looking at my own life and how I'm feeling like being a mother. I just think about some profound moments with my kids or experiencing something with my friends or experiencing feelings I'm having at work or something like that. And I just try to take that and translate that for other people. So I think it's being able to get quiet enough to know what I'm actually even thinking or feeling about what's going on in my own life that inspires me to give back with so all those topics of like the email or just things that I'm thinking about, but I can't like get to those feelings unless I make quiet space, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm rambling, but... (laughs) It makes so much sense. And you're a mom of two, right? Yes, two little boys. I am just wondering, like, logistically, how you get that quiet time when (laughs) I feel like I have one kid and that already feels like a a huge amount of my time and energy goes to that little angel. um, And I'm not running a magazine and a clothing company and a media company. Yeah. What advice would you have to people like logistically for carving out that time? Yeah, I think it's just, it's really important to have time for yourself, especially if you are a mom and you're working. So, you know, my older one is in school and then the other one is in a preschool. So that helps, you know, during the day that they're being cared for. So I do have a full day, obviously usually have to work the majority of the day, but even if I can get out for just an hour to go and connect, or sometimes I'll ask my husband or I'll ask some friends like, Hey, can you just watch them for a couple hours? I really need, you know, that space to go and just be myself and just be Sarah apart from work and apart from being a wife and apart from being a mother and just really be who I am at my core so that I can reconnect because it it can feel pretty disconnected when you have just like a lot going on um, in your life. So just carving it out and not feeling guilty about it is my, my advice. I think a lot of people feel like if they do that, they're like letting someone else down, but I just think it's a balance. If you're trying to escape all the time from your responsibilities and your family, that's a problem. But if you're realistically, you know, once a day or three times a week, trying to have a couple hours, like there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And you come back to your life better because you had that break. So I highly recommend it. And also just really segmenting, you know, when I'm at work, I'm fully at work. When I'm at home, I'm fully with my kids. I put away my phone. I log out of Instagram (laughs) at 5 p.m., So that you don't just, you know, walk by the counter and do that casual check-in, you know, and your kids are like, where'd you go? You were just playing with me, you know? So I really try to 
be fully like what I'm doing in those different areas of my life. And that helps too. Cause if you're trying to like do a bunch of stuff and like answer emails and be with your kids, it's just, it's not good for you. And it's not good for them to see you on their phone, on your phone all the time. So that's another thing I do is I'm just really disciplined about that segmentation and try to not feel guilty about it. I fully agree. I think that what you've said so far is like, take some time for yourself, go outside in nature and, you know, and ask for help and ask for other people to like help you get that time. And those are probably three things that as a society, we could all stand to do a little bit more of. Totally. Um, And another thing that I feel like we could all use a little bit more of is authentic conversation and honest conversation Um, and not honest in like an oversharing way, but honest in a vulnerable way. And there's a through line in your brand of not just speaking to women, but in helping them speak to each other. You seem to have this real gift or skill for creating spaces of this kind of soulful, deep conversation. And I wanted to ask how you came by that. Is it something that you've always had or is it something that you cultivated and why? Uh, Well, when I started Darlene, my best friend Kelly and I were just having a conversation about how it is really hard to have those honest conversations sometimes. Like you go to a party or a dinner or something with a bunch of women and the conversation just like stays up here. It's just like, Oh, like what TV shows are you watching? I love your shoes. And, or it turns to gossip, to be honest, women are usually prone to talk about one another. You know, I don't know why, but we just love that juicy information. Sometimes we're like drawn to it. You know, it's just like something to talk about or something to say because it's exciting or it elicits a reaction in people. And so when we started Darlene, we were saying we need to have like real conversations and we don't want Darlene to sound like it's the voice of a real friend and like friends talking to one another like we like to talk to one another and so that's the style of writing that we developed that's how we tried to prompt our writers is think about like you're writing this to your best friend think about like you're writing a letter to someone that you dearly love and it's handwritten you know just trying to put those kind of pictures in people's head around the meaning of your words and what you say. And I think we've become a society that is so flippant and so short and so reactionary and so fragile, right? When it comes to conversation, difficult conversations, saying hard things, it's become really hard for us because we're on social media and we're just firing things back and forth without thinking about the weight of our words and how much they actually mean you know if you think about it something someone said to you that's negative will just stick to you like velcro you know something positive that someone says just kind of slips off of you like oil and water you know and it's because yeah exactly like words really matter and that's why we developed that from the beginning so how do we not only have that conversation through you know, in-person experiences, but also through the writing and the communication that we do through the brand. It feels a bit countercultural, but it's it's crazy when people leave a Darlene dinner, they're like, that was the most profound thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm like, all you did was put away your phone and answer three questions. Like literally, guys, this is sad that this is where we've come to, you know? So it's nothing like 
profound that we're inventing. It's really just getting people off of their phone and to think about their life, to think about who they're becoming and really be honest about that. And I think that that's just really refreshing. And I love it. Every time we do it, it's like, yes, this is like what we're supposed to be doing. It is so refreshing. It's one of the things that I really found myself craving, um, especially through the pandemic. And I wasn't having a lot of, you know, I wasn't having any human in person interaction with anyone except for my husband. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't live close to family and my in-laws, they would like come to the end of our driveway. And that was sort of their, that's where they felt comfortable. (laughs) Totally. And so afterwards I started, you know, I can go see people and I joined a mom's group and I started venturing out a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was really looking for that like deep connection and real conversations and a place to be vulnerable. And I was like frustrated in a lot of ways. I remember coming home from one of the meetings of my mom's group frustrated that it felt like we were at a table full of women who were just trying their hardest to be pleasant. So I felt so lonely coming home from that dinner because I felt like we spent two and a half hours together and still I didn't get to see anyone and I didn't feel seen at all, you know? Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. Yeah, it's like the power of an intentional conversation or an intentional gathering is really, really amazing. I know that's kind of my pet peeve is gatherings that don't have any format and no one's being directed anything to do or say it just, we naturally just don't go there. And it takes a lot of courage to be the one to ask the question or to say like, okay, now we're going to like do this. And it it's hard and awkward, but I do it all the time and I've gotten used to it. So it's, it's kind of fun to see people's reaction and just let them sit in that nervousness, you know, and, and sit in that awkwardness. It's good for us, I think. Yes. And the outcome is so much better. So like in contrast to that, where we all had things in common. We were all moms with kids around the same ages. We've all just been through this like pandemic sort of together. Totally. And we felt so isolated. And then I did my first um, darling gathering. Mm-hmm. It's very small because I have a very small house. And so I invited, um, I think I invited five women. I ended up having four at dinner and I printed out questions and, and I was like, we're going to do the questions. Like, <laughs> I don't care how silly or awkward <laughs> doing the questions. Um, we could talk about other things also, but we are doing the questions. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that evening, we felt so connected and everyone was exchanging numbers. And I've had these same women ask, I'm like, oh, can we get together again? I would love to see them again. I would love to deepen That's that. Cool. Yeah. So impactful. Yeah, it's such a difference if you gather with an intention and you stick to that intention. Mm-hmm. Sort of letting it like roll with it and seeing what happens. Yeah, I totally agree. That's awesome that you've done that. I love that. Yes, multiple times now. My latest gathering was a toddler <laughs> tea party. For- oh, cute. That's so fun. Yeah, it was delightful. And the parents really had a blast just vibing, um, like creating this beautiful, special moment for our kiddos. That was fun. So fun. Another thing I really wanted to ask you, um, so I did a little bit of research to prep for this because I've been following your work 
for like 10 years. Um, but I didn't know a ton about how your work started. Um, and I found that you started Darling pretty quickly after you graduated from college. And that floored me because I know a lot of people who wanted to be magazine editors when we were in college. <laughs> when they, <laughs> they were shooting for like, maybe I can get an internship at a magazine or, um, Maybe I can, you know, work my way up, or maybe get a writing gig or freelance. And I guess the question is sort of like, where where did the audacity come from to just start not only your own magazine, but a magazine that was so counter to some of the industry standards of retouching every single photo and, um, you know, women's magazines, aside from Darling, primarily talk about what cosmetics you could wear to look younger or, you know, what kind of bathing suit would look best on your body type? Yeah, right out of college, I actually wanted to work in film um, because I really believe in the power of story and of, you know, telling people's stories that are meaningful and showing things that are redemptive and that, you know, turn around for good and just bringing good things (laughs) into the world. And so I wanted to work in the film industry. And so I had a few internships up in LA, um, but it actually Darlene started over a coffee with a friend, my friend Kelly, who I mentioned earlier, and her and I were just sitting down at a coffee shop and we were like, why do all women's magazines suck? Like they're terrible. They talk about other people. They gossip about celebrities. You can't afford everything. Everything is retouched. Like this is not helpful. And we needed so much advice in the time, like at the time her and I were both like depressed. We were anxious. Both our boyfriends broke up with us. We were like living in a house with five girls. We were sharing a bed, sharing makeup, sharing shoes and clothes because we were the same size. And we were like, what are we doing with our lives? We have straight A's from college and we can't do anything. So there wasn't a lot of confidence there. I will say there was just an idea. Um, we were kind of at a low place and we were both working at a pasta restaurant together and just had this idea randomly. We're like, well, if all the magazines are terrible and there's a hole in the market for a good magazine, let's just start our own. Um, so then we started working for another magazine, both her and I trying to sell advertisements for this small local magazine in Laguna Beach. And that went like terrible. We were like the worst advertising sales people ever. And so we were like, oh, we can't do this. And then we met with a bunch of people who had worked in publishing, like book publishing or magazine publishing. And all of them were like, don't start a magazine. It's so terrible. It's such a bad idea. Like it won't work. 90% of magazines go out of business. (laughs) So that made us even more sad about our idea. So then we went to Barnes and Noble and we found this book in the entrepreneur section called How Not to Start a Magazine. And we were like, if we read this book, this will give us all the (laughs) insight into the pitfalls of starting a magazine so that we can know what not to do. And so it was actually really helpful. I can't remember everything, but really it was talking about, you know, differentiating yourself as a business and how important that is. And we're like, there is truly a hole in the market for this. And let's go with what this business book says and let's start with our mission statement and what we're trying to do. And so we spent six months writing that mission statement that's on the back of the magazine still. Her and I wrote that together. And that's what we started with. We're like, what do we want for culture? Who do we want to become? 
what's like our statement over women, women, like our new wave of feminism. We talked it in, we called it a new wave of femininity because we didn't like how feminism was so angry. <laughs> like we don't want to be angry. We want to be, you know, uplifting and supportive and different. And so that's where the confidence came from was that we did have a different idea and that it was fresh and that we could put it out into the world. And so we ended up putting that idea on Kickstarter because we didn't have any money. And that's where we raised our first amount of funds to start it. And we just realized that it resonated with people. Kickstarter ended up featuring us on their homepage in our first week. They were like, this is the freshest thing we've heard for women in such a long time. We didn't raise that much money, but we raised enough to to start. And that was a little confidence boost, you know, to be like, okay, people agree that this thing needs to happen. So I would say advice is just really thinking about what you're doing. Is it different? And how does it differentiate? And not trying to be like, don't look at other brands and be like, oh, I want to do something like that. Like do something innovative, be really true to who you are and exactly what your gut feeling is of what you in particular can bring into the world. You know, each person has their own gifts. Each person has their own experiences. And a lot of times the things that you've been through are the things that you can really speak to and help other people with. So I would say like, you know, look at your own pain, look at the own hardships you've been through. How can you turn those things into good and how can you use those to help other people? Um, Because really, you know, at the end of the day, we're all just searching for love and acceptance, like you said, and to be seen and, and to be known. And so if you can do something that's encouraging people, that's helpful, that's bringing good into the world, people are going to be attracted to it. And just being as genuine as you can to yourself is my best, best advice. And then I would say, as far as confidence, you probably won't feel confident, but you can be tenacious. And that's the thing I would say to stick to. Like most days I don't feel super confident. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this isn't going to work or this happened today or that. But I'm like, if you just keep going day by day and keep building really consistently with what you can do, that ends up turning into confidence because you're like, look at what I did. Look what I built the last few days. Like, look at what I built the last week. Like what I did the last month and those little things and decisions build up. And then you start to become more confident in what you're doing, but it's really about sticking with it, which is also a bit of a tough message in our culture. I think we want everything to happen fast and now. You mentioned the mission statement was where the magazine started and sort of how you got the momentum and the focus to move it Mm -hmm. forward and what resonated with people. Um, It's something that's printed on the label of every piece of clothing, which I love. I actually have it like framed and hanging up in my kitchen for when I have gatherings. I love that. That's cool. And I read recently in an interview, it was an old interview with you, um, where you recommended that every woman should have her own personal and professional mission statement. So I want to ask about how you made your mission statement and how do you know when it's right? How do you know when this is like the mission statement? Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of us are so perfectionistic that we're just going to be going back and like, well, maybe, maybe that's not quite the mission statement. Maybe I should try to revise it one or two more times before I really know that that's my mission. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, that one in particular, you know, was for a business and for a brand. And so 
we did really work a lot into it. We probably have 40 different versions. Um, like our tagline, you are a work of art, used to be called Soft Revolution. That was the first name that we had for it. It was just a soft revolution and it said it on our business cards and everything. And then we were like, you know what? We want it to be more related to not just the movement, but the actual individual. And so that's why we changed it to you are a work of art. And then we actually changed a few lines in the mission statement in 2018. So from 2012 to 2018, we had one version and then we changed it. If you Google it, you can see one is like in cursive and the other one is in print, but we just wanted to simplify some of the language because it seemed a little abstract. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if a line is bothering you or you want to change it, you can always update it. Um, but yeah, we worked on it a lot. And I think you do need to be really thoughtful about it. And we looked up each word, you know, in the thesaurus, in the dictionary, like, what does this word actually mean? You know, like the word manipulation, like the word generosity, like the word vanity, like there's some pretty strong words, you know, like the word catalyst, there's really strong words in our mission statement. And some of them we had to replace and tweak a little bit. And I think it's just fun, again, going back to what I said that with the power of your words is realizing like, what words do you want to speak over your life, over your business, over the direction that you're going, and just really craft those together, you know, in a way that works for you. I I really want to make one for my family pretty soon because my kids are getting to that age where they might understand that. Like, we are a family that is generous. We try to host and be inclusive. We want to do all these things, you know, and put it on our wall so that my kids grow up knowing like, this is what we are like, we're focused on a lot of things, but this is what we're like particularly focused on as a family and what we want to be known for. And that's a cool way to think of it too. Like, how do you want to be known for? How do you want to be perceived? What's it like to sit across the table from you or to be on the receiving ends of your receiving end of your words as a person? Um, I think that it's interesting to just consider, you know, what you can craft about your life and who you want to be. And if you're starting a business, what you want that business to be, what you want people to think about when they see your logo, you know, they're going to attach a message to it. They're going to have a feeling when they see it. And so that's why words are really, really powerful because they can really move people. Like that mission statement is actually our best selling product of all time, which is hilarious because we sold a magazine, you know, <laughs> and now we sell clothes. Um, but over the last 12 years, like a poster of that statement has been our best selling thing. And it's just goes to show that people are really moved by messages and by stories and by quotes. So if you can create that for yourself and your life or whatever you're doing, it can be really powerful, even if it's just motivating you and it's on your own mirror, you know? I don't think I've ever had a discussion like that with my like family of origin of like what what kind of people are we what kind of people do we aspire to be um mm -hmm. I grew up in a family that hosted a lot we were very much a gathering family yeah um but it was never like oh we're a gathering family it was just like well everyone's here all the time and that's just sort of <laughs> yeah but that's unique yeah <laughs> you were cultivating something and people knew you as that you know but to name it is kind of cool because you we do tend towards 
certain things. And then there's some things that we struggle with that we might need to say out loud or try to pursue more that we want to be, you know, some things come more natural. Well, and as a life coach, that's something that I work with clients on all the time. It's just, well, I will often be like, what are your core desired feelings or what are your top three Mm -hmm. values? And I haven't put it into a mission statement because that can be, you know, not everyone loves writing, not everyone thinks really well in words, but I am always drawn to people who seem to know and intentionally live Mm -hmm. their core values. And I think that's such a powerful thing to teach you know, you're the younger members of your family and even, you know, some of the older members of your family that you can tune in with this and you can do it on purpose instead of just sort of floating around through life. Exactly. Yeah. I'm excited to, to write the family one pretty soon now that my son can sort of read, <laughs> see how that goes. Um, One question I have for you is darling has brought you in to the sphere of so many wonderful women. I know that I found like my financial advisor through an issue of Darling. (laughs) There's so many (laughs) impressive people who have been highlighted in the magazine and now amazing partnerships um, with the clothing line. Who are some of the most inspiring people that you've met through your work at Darling? Um, The first person that comes to mind would definitely be Brene Brown. Um, speaking of being nervous on a podcast, I was pretty nervous interviewing her um, because she's just so intelligent and so cool and fun and just innovative in the way she thinks. And so I really admire her and just how she like broke a lot of boundaries and boxes by the books that she wrote. And also just being able to interview someone who is, you know, such a big deal, but is super humble, willing to talk to anybody was like, really great took the time for me. And I just love that when someone is really great in your, you know, when you see them out there, (laughs) when you actually get to connect to them, they're just as good. Um, And then I would say another person I really loved was Seth Godin. He's a marketing guru. Do you know who he is? Yeah, see, I was a very, I mean, him and Brene Brown, I feel like they both shaped a lot of my philosophy on, you know, how we interact with people and especially Seth Godin, his marketing books are so just like mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he, I wrote him and I was like, there's no way he's going to respond. You know, he's such a big deal to our to our magazine and I told them exactly what it was and how we were the first magazine to not Photoshop women and what we were trying to do with conversation and all types of stuff. And he just wrote back, I like it. It's disruptive period. When do you have time for a call? And I was like, what's that? I got on the phone with him and he was started telling me how he drinks like 12 glasses of green tea every day. And that's how he stays focus now he doesn't drink coffee and he's just like super quirky and fun and then he was like well anyways he's like I like people that disrupt the status quo I like people that like do something different and who don't care and he's like Darlene is so disruptive of just the women's industry he's like tell me more about that and he was just like so curious about that and so that was another really fun one um he was a great great interview and just has been super impactful I think he really does care about people and about business and about brands. So that was, was a fun one. Um, and then the other one 
that pops into my mind would probably be um, Rachel Brosnahan from Marvelous Miss Maisel. I really liked her a lot. She is just the sweetest, like literally the character that she is in the show is her in person and just like so kind and so humble and just lovely human, but also just highly intelligent and professional and just sweet to everyone on the photo shoot and the set. And I just think that that is, is so great. I love it when you see people who you know, get famous, they have more eyes on them, but they are just the real deal. And I think that that is so important is realizing that fame or notoriety doesn't make you better. You know, it is different because you're doing something different, but really we're like all the same. We're all worth the same. You know, we all have a purpose. It's all equal. We're all equally valuable as humans. And just learning that, that no matter who you're talking to that we're all the same, you know, we all have the same needs and wants and just trying to be kind to one another. So I just love, love it when I meet someone and they're just more awesome than you could imagine. You're like, you are hopeful. You're giving so much to the world just by, you know, being you and being kind. It's, it's really inspiring, but I feel like most of the people, honestly, that we've interviewed with Darlene, I think they wouldn't say yes to Darlene if they weren't, you know, a person that does care about deeper things. So I really haven't had any bad experiences, to be honest. I think, oh yeah, one more was Megan Markle. She was really, really sweet um, over an interview, like very kind and had a women's blog at the time. This is before she married Prince Harry. <laughs> she was really, really sweet. Again, really humble and just really supportive of me and other women. And so that was encouraging to see too. It's such a great reminder to be like, yes. Um, I know a lot of people think like, oh, don't meet your heroes <laughs> because when you yeah. talk to people that you admire, it might be disappointing. And I think so often that holds us back, not even in like, you know, trying to interview someone for a magazine or try to create a partnership for, um, you know, brand ambassador kind of opportunity, but even in just real life, when you meet, you know, you meet a girl you have like a little girl crush on or something and you're like, oh, well, maybe we could get coffee or maybe we could actually be friends. And I think so often we just like hold ourselves back from that. We're like, well, it probably won't go as well as I think it would. Or maybe they don't, maybe they're not as nice as I imagine them to be. And so we just like, don't take that risk. We don't step forward and we don't ask for that time. That's my motto. Just always ask, always reach out to whoever, you know, it's, it's always an honor when people you do work and people admire it because a lot of times you're just working really hard. You don't know if anybody sees what you're doing, you know? And so to have like, everybody likes that. I think no matter how famous you are, it's, it's a great feeling. So really honoring what someone does and always asking is, has always been my motto. <laughs> and it looks like it served you really well. I've started <laughs> adopting that recently. Um, hence my finally starting this podcast. <laughs> cool. I love that. I mean, a big deal, but for years I was just starting out small at being like, you know, this girl from my yoga class, we get along really well. Like, why aren't we actually friends? Oh, because neither one of us has ever said like, oh, do you want to come over for dinner? Or, oh, do you want to go yeah. see a movie together? And so I just started 
with these text messages that, that like, hi, I know this is super awkward, but I think you're really nice. And I think we would be very good friends if we got to know each other better. Would you like to go get coffee with me? Or if you don't drink coffee, that's fine too. We can still be friends, but maybe <laughs> I would start these like long rambling text messages. And I don't think I ever got a response that wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you did this because yeah. I did the exact same thing, but I didn't know, like, it never occurred to me to reach out. And I think so many of us are just waiting for that connection and we're just waiting for one person to like be, yeah, I'm going to be the awkward, vulnerable one here. That's true. I always call that a friend proposal. <laughs> I had some girls walk up to me years ago and now they're like my best friends. So they're like, we have a proposal for you. And I was like, what? And they were like, we would like to be your friend. And I said, why? And they like listed out all these reasons. <laughs> they're like, your outfit's cute. You look fun. Like we were at this like big like gathering. It was so funny. And I was laughing so hard. And I was like, yes, I will be your friend. And now we're still friends, but definitely always down for friend proposals. <laughs> I mean, I, as kids, they do it so easy. They just like, know. you want to be friends? Like, Hi, I'm wearing blue. You're wearing blue. You want to be best friends? Yeah. Okay. We're best friends now. And I, it just gets weirder as you grow up. I'm so glad that I've kind of come full circle now. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's weird. And I can still do it. I think is the, the big takeaway there. We're all like, secretly lonely anyways most of the time so in our day and age you know it seems like you're not from Instagram but we're all like where are all my friends I don't know yeah, it is weird um you know to have that social media and I think I don't want to like age anyone but I feel like we're of the similar generation where like we grew up and what when I was in high school social media wasn't a thing and when no. I was in college, it was like kind of starting mm -hmm. to be a thing. Um, and so it feels like it's everywhere in our life now. And it's just changing the way that we relate to people. I love what you said about turning your cell phone off at five, which feels really disruptive in and of itself. <laughs> like, I don't know that I would feel comfortable turning my cell phone off at five, but have you found like, I feel like it's a silly question because the answer is going to be like, obviously, yes. But have you found so much more fulfillment like in your evenings and just like better sleep and all that good stuff because you're putting your phone away? And do you feel like you're missing out on anything? Yeah, first of all, let me clarify, I'm not perfect at this. I don't turn it off in case there's like a family emergency, but I put it on the kitchen counter plugged in. And so from five o'clock to after dinner, after I put my kids to bed, I try not to look at it. Obviously, sometimes if something's like calling you a lot or it's like ringing or pinging, you have like have to glance at it. You know, I'm not like totally like disconnected from the world, um, but I check it once before bed too to make sure that nobody at work, you know, needs anything from me because sometimes people are like working on a project or they're doing something in the evening. I'm like, let me just make sure I'm good with my team and everything, you know, because I'm a founder. So I have you know, a little bit more responsibility there to make sure everyone's okay. Um, but I do that. And then I do leave it out in the, on the kitchen all night, not by my bed. I think that that's a huge rule. If I put it by my bed, I'm not kidding you. I will online shop for two hours in bed, like 100%. I do not have the self-control to do it. Like it's come to the point where like, if it's in my pocket and I'm at the park with my kids, 
I cannot not answer a text. Like I literally can't. So I definitely take these significant breaks. Like if I'm out with my kids, they're out biking, they're at the park. I leave it at home or I leave it on a bench, you know, if I might need it, if there's an emergency, I obviously bring it and it's like always somewhere in the vicinity, but it's definitely not something that I'm just checking and, and on all the time. And I think that's the saddest thing when you go to a park and there's a parent pushing their kid on a swing while they're on Instagram, you know, it's like, you're missing like the full present moment and what that's doing to your brain with just distraction, your ability to pay attention. Like I feel it so quickly in myself if I pull it up it's just like anxiety it opens up this whole world of just other things that I'm like thinking about and worried about and issues going on in the world that I'm just not meant to carry in that moment all the time so that's definitely what I attempt to do is just take those like significant chunks um, especially after work you know, just being like, no, <laughs> I'm going to do dinner. I'm going to play. I'm going to do these things. And then I will do a quick check-in because I have responsibilities, but that's it. You know, it seems harder in a world where a lot of your work is on your phone. A lot of, um, just like I, I do a lot of my work is like on social media and connecting with new people and, uh, checking and responding to emails and designing graphics, which all of them live on my phone. Um, <laughs> also, I think it's hard because a lot of us still struggle with people pleasing and we get stressed. Like if I get a text and I don't answer it immediately, will my friends now hate me? Am I now like the pariah of, you know, the carpool text chain because I'm not hopping in and being, you know, and, and contributing to this text. What's your relationship with people pleasing been like? And I, I would love to just talk about that. I think everyone has a really unique relationship with it. Yeah. I mean, I think that I've grown a lot in that area over the years, especially having a business that has a really strong point of view and everybody's got a lot of feedback and nobody's ever happy when you have a platform of any kind. And so learning that like, you're really not going to please everybody. I was at a conference the other day and a business conference and the founder of beauty counter, she's, you know, it's like a billion dollar company. She was like, just accept that everyone's going to be mad at you all the time. And she goes, but you need to stay on your train and be like, I created this train. This is the way this train is driving. If you want to be on this train, great. If you don't want to be on this train, you can hop off the train, but like the train is leaving the station and it's not turning. It's not going backwards. So this is what's happening. <laughs> I just love that mentality. And I relate with that so much. I'm like, here's my vision. Here's what I'm doing. It's genuine to me. Here's what I believe about life and the world and what's important and I'm going to be bold and I'm going to put that out there and I'm just going to accept that it's going to make people upset or they're going to take it wrong or they're going to think that we don't do what we say we're doing. Like, it's just, there's always going to be someone with like an opinion, but realizing that most of those people aren't doing the thing themselves, <laughs> you know, they're usually not. And so for me, I just try to have compassion and be like, oh, that person must be like really unhappy with their life or to have the audacity to send a message like that is like really sad, you know? So I've come to the point where I try to have compassion for people that are being cruel or that are being internet trolls or whatever is, is happening and just be like, you know what, like, this is what I'm doing. And I'm just going to be confident 
in that and not, and not worry about it and not worry about, I don't have to make every single person happy. You know, I love mother Teresa has this quote where she says, like, if you want to make the world a better place, like go home and love your own family, like love your family. I care about what my husband thinks about me. I care about what my kids think of me, my immediate family. And that's what matters, right? If my husband comes to me and is like, hey, like you're being really snappy lately or you're being really like this. I'm like, whoa, tell me more about that. Like, I'm so curious. Can you help me know how I can be better? You know, so it's like, what? Are, who are the voices that matter, like truly matter? And then other people be kind, be respectful. You can respond. Don't try to start a fight because you're probably not going to win and just have compassion for where they're at and what they're dealing with that day that they feel like they have to, be unhappy at you about something, you know, it's more just like, if you are coming towards anyone with negativity, or you want to attack someone, you're obviously hurting, you know, and so having compassion that that's where people are at when they're, where do, they're doing that, because that's how I, how I am when I'm being nasty, if I am, <laughs> it's because I'm insecure, or I'm not feeling loved, or I'm feeling like I need to prove something or whatever it is. And those aren't great things to be coming from. So I hope that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah, it's um, I've been on both sides of that. I'm not going to lie. I have been the sender of some like outreach <laughs> in the past. <laughs> right. Always from a place that like in the moment, I think that it's a good idea. I'm like, I'm changing the <laughs> obvious thing, this person or this business. And then I always look back and I'm like, oh, no, I was just like <laughs> feeling really insecure about something that day where I saw this and it like activated a certain part of, you know, something I'm learning about. And I went into yeah. know it all, like, let me prove how awesome I am mode. And uh, <laughs> so I've been on that side of it and can confirm it's not really about the people or even like the business decision or, you know, what they posted. It's, it's almost always entirely about me. Yeah. Usually I know I always think like if you, before I send another email or a response back, sometimes I'll just take a break or take a half hour or send it to someone I trust to be like, Hey, how do you read this response? Is this really emotional? And I've gotten less and less emotional on social media and email as I felt mature. Cause I'm like, what is this going to help? Like, is this actually helping what I'm actually trying to help and care about? Or is this going to cause like more trouble for myself and just give me so much anxiety after I send that email or post that comment? Like, is it worth it? You know, or am I engaging and disagreeing or whatever you're doing? Cause I'm not saying it's not wrong to like disagree or to have dialogue, but it's like, how do you approach that person? Cause I also do believe in like we've lost the ability to have healthy debate or things on Instagram, you know? And so it's, it's fine. If you approach someone with respect, like, Hey, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, here's my opinion. I would love to like talk about this or see your opinion on that. But just if the more we can practice that really respectful dialogue is really good too. You know, I tend to avoid conflicts. I just feel like I don't have time for internet fights most of the time, even though I want to get in a lot of them or I'll post something and like immediately delete it. <laughs> but I'm like, for the things that do matter, it's usually more with my friends, right? And people I'm actually in community with and that I actually know that's worth that effort and that dialogue or that mending or that repairing or that debating or whatever needs to happen. Yes, definitely. Okay. 
Um, I want to go back to the train metaphor real quick, um, because one of the things I learned for the first time kind of prepping for this interview is that not only does Darling Media do the magazine once a year now, but that you've also partnered with some major brands on some of their campaigns. And I was really impressed by the brands that you've worked with, like Aerie, Alaska Airlines, Nike. Um, and I was also really impressed and like surprised by the brands that you intentionally haven't worked with or the ones that you turned down. I know that you're very uh, like intentional about your mission statement and aligning to that. But was there any doubt or like worry or struggle about like, oh my gosh, these major brands and like all of this money and it could really grow us, it could grow our message. Do they really want to get on board with this like non-retouching thing? Are, are we changing the, like, I could feel like there would be so much temptation to be like, yes, we're going to change the world from the inside of these crazy organizations. What was that like for you? And, um, and what did it teach you as a business owner? Yeah, it's interesting over the years as we were just really standing strong for our own mission and the way we spoke to women and represented women through photography or editorial, we had brands coming to us, specifically Aerie and Alaska Airlines were actually inbound and they had you know, a conversation with us like, we love the way you speak to your audience and we want to talk to our audience in a similar way. Can you help us do that? which was really cool and just flattering to think that they felt that from us as the audience and they wanted their audience to feel that. And so we created different pieces of content together and different experiences and retreats and dinners and things that were really meaningful. Um, but then we did have some that, you know, would come to us offering a lot of money. Like I'll give Victoria's Secret as an example. <laughs> this was back in the day before you know, they refused to, they were retouching their models like crazy, like actually shaping their bodies, like using one size of model, like a very stereotypical type of woman, you know, and she was like known for one thing, which is being sexy. And it was just like, not our vibe. <laughs> I was like, I don't think people would understand Darlene and Victoria's Secret coming together. Although in the beginning, Victoria's Secret was one of the brands that we were like, someday they will have like different size models. And now you go in the mall and they totally do because they had to do this crazy rebrand, which I respect, you know, like it just, it seemed like it took a long time, but I do respect it when brands are like, okay, like we have to own this and like totally change, you know? Um, but I said no to that partnership and it would have been a lot of money and to create something for them and put our name on it and cross promote. And I was like, you know what? I just don't think that your brand is like aligning with the direction that you know, we're going, that our train is going. You're still very confidently going your direction. We're going a new direction. I'm not sure like where they saw the synergy at that moment, you know, um, but it seems like they've definitely changed their direction a bit since then, which is just always encouraging to see that, you know, when a mindset or something more healthy actually takes place in advertising and in media and brands. So I love seeing the way different brands have changed, but yeah, it's definitely a challenge to really stay true again to what I was saying, your mission and what you believe in and try to not compromise that because better things come to you when you do that. And then your brand just gains more and more credibility because people can tell that you didn't sell out or do something you didn't want to do just for, for money or association or anything like that. It's clear through everything 
that you see of Darling, like the social media, the emails, the ambassadors that you partner with and choose, and that there is a commitment to that mission all the way through, and that there is a intentionality behind every action. And I think that's what really drew me to it. I'm not a fashion person. Like people who know me in real life know that I am not like a clothes person. I don't do a lot of shopping. Um, so what really appealed to me about Darling was like, well, I know it's going to be like flawless because it's Darling and I know that they're going to do it in a capsule. So I won't have to go shop another couple of years. This is great. But you can really see that commitment to through everything that you do. I think that's one of the things I find so inspiring about your company and your your presence. So thank you for that. Thank you. I hope you've been enjoying the capsule and been able to make a lot of outfits. It seems like you have on Instagram. I have. I used one as a Halloween costume too yesterday for a trunk. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a couple of rapid fire questions before we sign off. Is that okay? Yes. All right. So the first one is what is the last book that you read and absolutely loved? The last one I read is actually an old one, but a good one called The Alchemist. By Paulo Coelho, is that right? Yes, Yes, I think that's how you say it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just really ethereal. It's about life and purpose. And it's it's really cool and really creative. And it's like set in Egypt. And it's just really, really interesting. So that was my husband, I don't have a good attention span. I actually don't read a lot, to be honest. I, I write a lot and I edit a lot, but I find it because I do that. I have a hard time like relaxing and reading. And so he was like, you'll like this book. It's very imaginative. So that was the last one. It's nice. It's a short one too. So if anyone, <laughs> I don't know like if I-, I have time to read it. You do. It's wonderful. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Question number two, what is your current go-to song for when you need to feel like a complete badass? Um, right now is Taylor Swift Bejeweled, believe yeah. it or not. She says, when I walk in the room, I still make the whole place shimmer, you know? And I'm like, that's that's a good line. I just think that she's like, speaking of confidence, she's just so insanely confident. And it just makes you think like, I can be confident too. Like I can be a confident woman who just fully goes for like exactly who I am. And I think that, you know, whether people like her or don't like her, I think that she is so confident. And so that song just reminds me like, I can do this. <laughs> Definitely. Taylor Swift has always been someone I look to for that because I know now it's like, oh, it's easy for her to be confident. She is a billionaire now. She's sold out all these arenas. But like at one time, she was a 16 year old girl whose high school classmates were making fun of her for this music thing she was trying to do. And you just sort of have to push through it. You know, she has her moments where she doesn't feel confident too. It's not easy to do what she does at her level. So, you know, we probably actually share similar feelings with her well we know we do because of her songs yeah totally. <laughs> we know we know her we're her best friend <laughs> um, my last question for you is what is one daily practice you have um that you feel keeps you in touch with your best self oh man I wish I could do it <laughs> every day <laughs> but when uh, my children don't wake me up 
at the crack of dawn. I really love to wake up and journal just about the day and just think through the day and be grateful and even write down process any initial just like feelings or fears I'm having and just think through it or pray or just meditate and be like, okay, what am I doing today? Again, what am I focused on? How am I going to show up and be my best self to the people that my little people in my life, my husband, my coworkers, like how can I position myself to like be that best self? But again, it really takes that quiet and being able to think about how I'm actually feeling, (laughs) you know, like what I actually need to process or what's bothering me because sometimes you just have this like lingering feeling of something that's bothering you're like what what is that feeling like I don't even know why I feel annoyed when I woke up but like what is that and being able to connect to that and get rid of it and just like the theme of our recent you know magazine is like reframing the way you're thinking and you're waking up so I would say it's that journaling and that reframing every morning that really helps me but it does not happen every morning I will say (laughs) I will, I will honor that. It's not about <laughs> consistency doesn't mean perfect. Consistency means like more often than not, you know, yeah, exactly. oh, the span of this like season, how many times did I wake up and journal? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well, thank you so, so much for your time today. I know you must be super busy and I really appreciate you saying yes to this. It's been an absolute treat talking to you. Is there any last thing that you want people to know, maybe if they haven't interacted with Darling yet, how can they find it? um, And what would be a great way to get in the door? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It was a lovely break in my day, deep conversation, which I love. And thank you for being an ambassador and for putting your voice out into the world with this podcast. That's really cool. So first of all, that. Um, second of all, you can find Darlene at DarleneSociety.com or just at Darlene on Instagram. And yeah, you can connect with us through our contact email. And we're always looking to build our community. Thanks for listening to I Hope This Finds You. If you want to help us find more people, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to find me, you can do so on Instagram at Megan Gilman. See you next time.